0: I don't want to pay an agency. I think I can figure this out. And like JT said, you can, you totally can. But I think some people underestimate the the consistency of effort that it's going to take because, you know, creating an ad on Facebook is not super hard. You, You have to learn a little bit inside of ads manager, but, but creating a really good ad and then getting those things to consistently perform over time is really where the, the magic comes.
1: Hey friends, welcome back to the Caracast podcast. I'm your host, Brady Winder, and this is a podcast where we help investors, real estate investors, dial in their online marketing so you can build a business of freedom and impact. Um, the way we're doing that this month is it's paid ads month. I get excited about Paid Ads Month because it's a great way to supplement your SEO efforts and it's a really good way to get uh, leads in the door quick. And so we have did our episode with Brendan on Google Ads PPC and this week we're talking with Kylie and JT, our friends over at Silver Street Marketing. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Super stoked to be here. We love paid ads. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be a good one. And so today we're talking about um we're talking about Facebook ads. So a couple of years ago we did a podcast series, four part podcast series, you guys can go listen to. I'd say at least half, probably over 75% of it is still relevant. Um, obviously things change with the platform. Things like targeting um iOS 14 has happened since then. So there's some technical things that are irrelevant, but if you really want to nerd out, um, you can go back and listen to that series, go to com slash ads, check out the other resources we have on paid ads. Uh, but this episode is not going to get super granular and super tactical, um, but it's it's going to be just enough information to not overwhelm you and to help you really make an informed decision on where does Facebook ads fit into my business as an investor? How can it benefit me? You know, ROI, what to expect? What should my messaging look like, feel like, and how can you get um, leads with Facebook ads. So if you've thrown money at Facebook ads uh, before and not been successful with it, whether that was by yourself and no education or with an agency, um, then well, one, I'm sorry, but two, hopefully we can help you turn that around and be successful. Um, anyways, uh, Kylie, JT, um, let's talk about let's talk about Facebook ads. So one thing I'm really curious about right off the bat is like what's the ROI you're seeing on Facebook ads versus like PPC, SEO you know, cold calling, bandit signs, where's it, where's it fit on that spectrum? JT, go ahead, man. Yeah. So, um, when you're looking at the,
2: the ROI that's coming from it, typically what we're seeing on Facebook is we're seeing a cost per acquisition, uh, in between about a 3000 to 3500 on average is overall cost per acquisition. Um, depending on areas, you can kind of lower that down to about, uh, uh, around a $2,000 marker. It just kind of depends on a couple moving parts. Um, that could be things like, are you paying for management? Um, how aggressive are you in your area? Uh, are you employing different types of tactics, not just lead generation like branding and and trying to become more of a, a powerhouse in your area? So there's a couple things that will affect that and can kind of change um, that uh, cost per acquisition price. But most investors that are coming on for management are sitting around that, you know, you could probably say about $2,000 to $3,000 cost per acquisition marker uh, per deal.
0: Yeah. And to, yeah. To, to break that down maybe just a little bit more, um, basically, to get that cost of acquisition, you're looking at your cost per lead, right? And then the number of leads it takes to close a deal. So uh, on Facebook, we see probably right around, an average of 20 leads per deal would is that wouldn't you agree jt
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: about 20 leads uh, per deal that's yeah about deal. 20, 20 leads per deal so um depending on what your cost per lead is and then depending on your on your close ratio so uh one of the things we find that that's most important when doing facebook ads is having a really strong follow-up system so uh if you think about lead generation in terms of each channel you're using, you're gonna be finding potentially different people, a lot of the same people. We can talk about that a little bit more, but you're, you'll find people at different levels of readiness in their decision-making process. And with a PPC ad, for example, you have someone that is actively searching for, uh, I need to sell my house fast. So that person is in this mode of problem solving on Facebook. We, one of the, one of the powers of Facebook is that you can find people who are potentially not quite that far in, the fu- in their decision-making process yet. The benefit of that is you're getting in touch with them before they start shopping investors. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the challenge with that is you have to uh, be ready and able to nurture that lead. So that that follow up system really matters in the the frequency of the follow up and the quality of the follow up uh, because your lead time from lead capture to lead close may be a little bit longer. Now that varies. We have people who start running ads and within two to three weeks close a deal. Um,
1: <clears throat> so it's kind of you know there's that full spectrum, but uh, any. And you mean follow up holistically, right? As far as, you know, your whole Facebook funnel, your top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel and your email and your call, you know, direct mail follow up.
0: Yeah. So I'm, yes. I mean, yes, on the Facebook stuff, but I'm talking more specifically about your non-Facebook follow-up. So text messages, emails, phone calls, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be contacting those leads right away. You need to be following up with them frequently and often. And uh, and putting them in a in a in a nurture sequence to get them towards the the close.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Um, why why Facebook ads? I, I mean, I want to just why Facebook ads in general, but why Facebook ads right now? Like, what opportunities do you see for Facebook ads for investors right now? Well, I mean, Facebook ads have been effective for
0: many many years there's like a kajillion people on facebook still (laughs) even (laughs) though even though it's now kind of an older social media which is wild to to think about um the demographic of users on facebook skews older so that fits well with um the the typical like high equity uh homeowner or someone that would would own a home and be potentially interested in selling but Mm -hmm specifically i think the opportunity right now brady you touched on this a little bit earlier there have been a lot of changes on facebook so the ios 14 change was huge that dramatically impacted um audience sizes and the ability to track conversions and things like that Uh, but then not too long ago there was another update uh, with a a settlement with the hud where they they changed targeting options mm. a lot I mean then and, and we did it you we did a, a video on this as well with you that talking That's about right, how um, talking about how you can't use lookalike audiences or special ad audiences in real right. estate anymore that that was like that was one of the I've been I've been marketing on Facebook since 2007 and that was one of the biggest changes I've ever seen Facebook make and yeah. the results of that, is a lot of uh, people have said, "I don't know how to do this anymore," mm. or "I'm going to give up on Facebook." And I'm talking like individual investors, but also um, some of the other uh, like agencies that we we know of have really stepped back um, because they they didn't want to try to figure out how to how to work through it. So. The benefit there is the eyeballs are still on Facebook. So if there's less people competing for those eyeballs, uh, you have an opportunity.
1: Well, I would think, you know, you point out there's still a kajillion people on Facebook, it's like, you know, we like to talk about, oh, well, Facebook's dead. It's not relevant anymore, but I would think that the, the quality of lead would just slowly go up over the years, whereas the user base on Facebook goes to, you know, Older demographics, and not you know, it's no longer just high school kids and college kids. What it was literally made for on Facebook, I would think that.
2: Well, and that's that's a lot of what we've seen. It's just that that feedback there is the people using Facebook is exactly that. You want to stay in front of those demographics because that's going to limit. That's going to help you get your targeting more and more direct. So you're you're 100 right on. Yeah, and interesting. The other thing, to, the other thing
0: to remember is that. Facebook now called meta, you know, they changed their name to meta. They, they own Instagram as well. And then they have their, their own ad network, which is similar to like the Google ad network. So, um, when you're running ads through the Facebook, uh, or the meta ads manager, um, you're, you have the ability to run ads across many other places too. So your ads will show up on Instagram. Your ads can show up in mobile apps as people are using uh, you know, if someone's scrolling and playing a game or whatever, like your app, your, uh, ad could show up in that as well, all through that, uh, Facebook ads manager.
1: So there's a lot more, lot more placement than there was two, five years ago, what you're saying a lot more, just varying placement.
0: Yeah. And, and, and also I just think some people kind of think about, you know, I'm going to run Facebook ads, they're thinking of just the one like in feed ad, um, which. You know, that is a big part of it, but just, I think it's helpful to remember that you're actually putting your ad in a lot of different places.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's good to remember. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Um, Can we, before we move on, can we just all agree that meta, can we just like not call it meta? I know it's <laughs> called meta and I log into meta to schedule <clears throat> posts and stuff. I'm like, this is just, this It probably shouldn't bother me at all, but I'm like, I'm stuck in the past, man. Yeah. yeah I don't i'm totally fine with that we uh
0: i don't ever call it meta because i feel like most people don't know or like you brady like we haven't like collectively accepted that that's what it is so if right. we, you know, we need if a we petition hop, if we hop on the phone with someone and we're like we're experts at meta ads they're not going to know what we're talking about
1: so, right i probably yeah. wouldn't even it take me a second like, you what are you sure <laughs> anyways um okay so yeah we'll so call up, t- we'll
0: call up mark zuckerberg we'll see what we can do <laughs> yeah
1: well thank you i appreciate that yeah just let that. him know that brady cares about the name <laughs> um so let's talk about uh you know a lot of investors well i guess I, I don't really know i'd be curious to hear how many investors come to you guys as an agency and have already tried facebook ads themselves but i want to hear from you guys what you see is the biggest differences between someone who's running ads on their own, whether they're successful or unsuccessful versus hiring a, a team or someone else, an agency to do it. And kind of what are the, what are the things they should be watching out for? How do you find a legit person to help you do this? Cause you're, you're putting a lot of money on the line.
2: Yeah. You know, when someone's you know running ads on their own or debating on running ads on their own, there's a couple of things that we kind of, you know, you have to think about and consider. Um, one is, you know, time. I mean, this is a conversation I have a lot, and most investors I talk with. You know, when we have this, we're talking about ads and learning how to do it. I really say, you know, anyone can learn, but do you have the time, or do you do you really have the desire to do it? Because um, if where your desires land, you are like out in the field, you know, talking to the leads, like getting the contract signed and closing the deals then that's a job in itself. And to add on the marketing side of it, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that, um, you know, in terms of, you know, being on there weekly, watching all the data, thinking from a different type of mindset of like a data, data mindset of, okay, how is this affecting the algorithm versus how is this affecting my business? And you kind of have to walk through those different steps at different times while you're making these changes. So um, the first thing that we always kind of talk about, if someone is interested in, in doing it themselves, you are totally capable. You can. You're smart enough. You can figure it out with the right direction. But do you really want to long-term? Is that really going to be what's best for your business? Um, and everyone's at different places. So for some people, it will be. Uh, for others, an, an agency might be a better spot um, to land. And when it comes to agencies, there's a couple of things we have, to, we have to think about Um, One is going to be, uh, you know, strategy. Um, What type of strategy they're using? Are they focusing purely on your top of funnel? And, you know, that's pretty typical for most uh, like average Facebook agencies, especially in like the last couple of years, a lot of people have geared towards spending 90% of your budget on a broad, no targeting because you're in real estate and it's really hard to target people. And Mm then 10% of your budget on your retargeting. And that's Kind of what they do. Um, I would say that's not a really thought out process uh, because there are still ways that we can target. There's still ways that we can filter out our top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. It just takes a lot more time and effort and, and management. Um, so when you have the right strategy in place, that's going to obviously affect your your leads. And then second, when it comes to an agency, the next thing you want to consider is how well do they integrate with your team? Because um, one of the biggest things I I hear people talk about when they have had a bad experience is, you know, I kept getting bad leads. I wasn't able to like communicate with anyone to tell them that. Um, and it just wasn't working with my business. And I'm sure if you went over to the agency and talked to them, they're like, well, all the leads we were driving were like $10 per lead. It was like a crazy, they were our best account, you know? Yeah. And so you really need a good teamwork when you're working with an agency, a really good team connection. And- um, one of the one of the best ways to do it, I tell everybody, even if you manage your own ads or you're managing with an agency, one of the ways that you can fix this is use UTM parameters on all of your ads, and then that way you can see exactly what ad drove what lead, and then you get the feedback from, you know, in our case, from our client, um, and and we say, okay, tell us the leads that were the best leads. Okay, there were these people, these names. All right, awesome. So these these names have these UTM parameters attached to them. So whether you know, the the iOS 14 came in place and we tracked it or we didn't track it, we can manually track that and say, okay, this is where it came from. So now we know that these are our best ads in terms of motivation. And this is how we're going to scale your results. Even if it means we're spending a little bit more per lead or we're spending a little bit less, it's more trackable and it's going to give more tangible results. Mm-hmm. So um, those are a couple of things, you know, we have a discussion with clients we are talking about agencies, doing it yourself or or you know, browsing the market. Yeah,
0: yeah. that uh, that feedback loop is critical. Whether you are working with an agency or you're doing it yourself, uh, obviously, the feedback loop with yourself not really a loop, but <laughs> but tracking that information and knowing that is important. And like JT said, that's something a lot of people miss, which is paying attention to. Uh, patterns in your leads <clears throat> and which, which campaigns, which ads are generating the best leads. Uh, and if you're working with an agency, you want to be feeding that information to them. I have two analogies I think of when it comes to doing it yourself versus uh, working with an agency. And one of those is like hiring a personal chef. So hmm. if you hire a personal chef to make your meals for you, the reason you're doing that is because you don't want to you don't want to take the time to shop and cook and think about what you're going to eat um maybe you don't think that you can cook very good and doesn't taste very good right so you hire a professional chef you're you're still going to be very engaged with that chef if if you hire a personal chef like if he makes a meal that you don't like then you're going to Tell him or her about that, right? Or if they make one you love, you're gonna say, ooh, I do that one more often. Or you may even have requests, you know, like I have, I'm craving this or w- whatever. So that that even though you've outsourced that work, you're still involved in in guiding that, you know? Hmm. Um, and, and then let me let me give you one other analogy as well, <clears throat> the uh like uh fitness analogy. So because i i think we see this a lot with people in who think who want to do diy so you go to a personal trainer and you say hey i want to get ripped and the personal trainer starts list uh starts listing out all the things you're going to need to do to get ripped and it's like you know you, you got to like follow a a You gotta count your macros. You gotta do these certain kind of workouts. You gotta work out this many days a week, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going, ah, I just kind of wanted to get ripped. You're like, where's the shortcut? Yeah, can I just get ripped? And I think that happens with uh, the DIY side, Mm -hmm. the the idea of like, hey, I, I don't wanna pay an agency. I think I can figure this out. And like JT said, you can, you totally can, but I think some people underestimate the effort that it's going to take, the the consistency mm. of effort that it's going to take. Because, you know, creating an ad on Facebook is not super hard. You you have to learn a little bit inside of Ads Manager, but but creating a really good ad and then getting those things to consistently perform over time is is really where the the magic comes in.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that analogy, and I love why you bring that up because. The consistency, you know, learning it, like learning how to run Facebook ads once and saying, okay, now I know Facebook ads is not enough, but was that going to last you maybe six months to a year, you know, until the next major change comes in, maybe it depends on what's going on and keeping up with trends. And I mean, there's so many things targeting. And so, yeah, I like that. You have to be consistent at it. Um, yeah. That continuing education, if you will. Um so tell me, what are you what are you guys doing to increase effectiveness of targeting? And you know, any tips as far as managing audiences goes, since the you know special special category update where you can't target as uh, specifically. Yeah. So um,
2: one is diving into your seller interests. Um, obviously, you know, using seller interests can help uh, be kind of a, a bridge between your broad, just going to anybody, and then going to a more Uh, interest-based audience that could be interested in things that you're offering based off of what they're looking at and browsing online. So that's still capable of being used. And then as well, the custom targeting of using custom lists. Um, So we can still use lists that we've uploaded for like retargeting purposes. Um, And so using those to our advantage and um, basically... I mean, we talked about this in the last video, but the combination of what type of media we're using to help filter out um, what type of motivation that we're getting on these, and then also the targeting in place. And then lastly, you know, what we just kind of touched on using manual um, like feedback, like UTM parameters, to be able to give us really good feedback on what's actually working. Mm-hmm. Uh, those have kind of been our go-to options to be able to... Uh, continue to get uh, consistent results for investors, even though the landscape of the ads are changing, um, you know, and, and that's just kind of the nature of any platform uh, as over time, it's always the landscape's going to change a little bit, but as long as our type of seller that we want is located there, we're going to be able to find a way to get in front of them. Uh, we just have to change up the strategy a little bit to do it. So that's, that's kind of some of the things that have consisted of, of changing that strategy.
1: Can you can you give me a couple examples? I'm really curious about interest. You know, interest-based targeting, like for motivated house seller. what are, what are some of those interests?
2: Yeah, so um, there are like equity interests. So uh, people who uh, are doing like uh, reverse mortgages, um, people are interested in their their own equity types. Um, there's like Fisbo interests, so like for sale by owner interests they are going in through like Zillow and doing for sale by owner stuff. Um, there's a couple of different things when it comes to like, uh, like uh, debt, um, consolidation or, uh, you know, repairs on your house, um, as well as, uh, like, um, overall lending purposes. Um, okay. so, so
1: this is, here. sorry, I want, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just trying to clarify. So this is not just the simple checkbox on a Facebook profile of like, oh, this person is interested in, you know, they, you know, they liked this page for um what do you call that that paddleball game um, pickleball pickleball it's not like oh this person is so you're not targeting okay anybody that you know talked about pickleball on facebook there's more complex things going on behind the scenes to determine those interests
2: yeah and a lot of that is due to you know with all this changing that's been going on in the real estate industry specifically um, there's a lot more of like how we have to think that these people are showing motivation inside those interest categories and then combining that with the type of media and the type of copy that we're using to really be like a hard trigger to filter people who are not going to be interested and filter those that will be. Because Facebook is still an algorithm. Um, I think a lot of people forget that that's really what we're working with. It's not, you know, we're not in an auction like PPC where we can say these are the type of words we want, this is how much we're willing to pay for it. We're with an algorithm, and that algorithm uh, primarily focuses on one how many impressions they're able to get out of the audience that we're running. Um, So impressions being the ability to have your ad loaded to a queue. uh, That's when Facebook charges you. So it charges you per impression. It's not per view. It's not per click. And then second is it's going to prioritize engagement. So when we understand that we have a really good like hard filter ad that's when somebody is going to be interested, they'll click. If they're not at all going to be interested, they'd make sure that they go past it. Facebook Mm -hmm. recognizes that. And they're going to start to understand who's actually clicking. But the other thing they're going to see is the more engagement we're getting, they're going to start to raise us up in the ranks on the feeds. So it's costing us less money overall. That's why a lot of people who only run ads for like 60 days, they don't make any changes to it. They just publish an ad, they launch it, they don't see any results versus somebody who runs it for you know three to six months and they're in there making biweekly changes are going to see consistent deal flow. So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons just because the way that the platform has been made we're you know, what we're working with is very different than other ad platforms that you may be buying. Okay. media.
1: that makes sense.
0: So one other quick thought there. So over the years, Facebook has made <clears throat> updates to what advertisers and marketers, what information we're able to use to in our targeting. Um, you know, there there have been like, you you could use to target around lots of different things like income and um and yeah well, well there's lots of examples in there but android as, user
1: iphone user
0: yeah some of that some of that you can still do but the the as facebook has grown um they've made updates to some of that and you know some of that is a win for consumer privacy and 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 those types of things because unfortunately there are bad actors out there that use information for discriminatory practices or whatever. Yeah. Um, but so part of what's been so important, I I started marketing specifically for real estate investors in 2016. And I had previous to that spent a lot of time marketing in, in other industries, um, spending Several million dollars a year in Facebook ads, and what what I found is, anytime Facebook makes a change, we just we just have to be willing and ready to go in and make a couple adjustments and and continue to test and optimize, kind of like JT was saying. So, if one of our targeting, uh, one of our interest based targeting got cut, then we'd go in and, like JT said, we'd we'd have to get creative and say, okay what else could we think about that might connect to that person, but in a, in a different way. And uh, yeah. And so that's what we, that's what we can continue to do. And I think that's what uh, is difficult for people who aren't uh, investing the time or energy to know that, or uh, if they, if they just have a really simplistic strategy if something in that changes, it's difficult for them to adapt.
1: The whole thing can break. Let's right. let's talk about. I want to talk about copy for um, a little bit, and then I want to get into. Um, you had mentioned one of the things we could talk about is like ad spying and you know checking out what other people are doing. Um, and then before we wrap, I want to make sure we talk about you know Chat GPT because why not talk about Chat yeah. GPT right now and how that might be useful. And then um, you know KPIs you should be looking at for ads. Um, but uh, yeah, so can you give me some examples of like what's what's working really well for you guys? You know, you're looking at competitors, how you might change up copy to keep ads fresh, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk a little bit about that. So um, when it comes to copy, uh, typically, you know, what we're doing here is we're doing a lot of testing um, over and over again, just because we really want to see what is getting the most valuable clicks. So there's a couple different, things that we do when we look at creating copy. So one is we're looking at short form copy and we're looking at long form copy. So we're seeing what are going to be the differences between having just a short, uh, you know, one to two sentence copy piece versus having something that's, you know, five to six sentences long. And then we're also testing different things like adding in uh, Bitly links inside that copy, adding in emojis inside that copy, um, and then kind of switching out some of our our main Uh, Triggers, which would be you know like get a cash offer or or sell without paying for any fees or repairs. Um, Right now, typically, what we're seeing, um, and this kind of changes per market, so you know, obviously, you have to test and figure out what's working for your audience. But a lot of what we're seeing is kind of that that short. We've gone back to that shorter copy has been working really well um, with direct triggers, um, right? Like hooks right at the beginning of sell your house without paying for any you know, fees, repairs um, on your home. And mm. things like that have been working really well. I think part of that is because of market shifts. Um, so you do have to understand, you know, because of that market, people are starting to now realize the traditional real estate market, right? They're they're usually about six months behind. They think they could get one thing for their home and that was six months ago is what they could have sold it for. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of in that point where they're starting to realize it's hard to sell a house. And so those things are starting to, to stand out a lot more. And then adding in, um, some personal customized like situations or different things. So we always Mm -hmm. suggest to, to people who are running their own ads or to our clients, uh, to give us stories that we can also include in those types of copy that could Mm -hmm. be like, you know, uh, so-and-so, you know, we helped so-and-so move out of their house when they were, you know, facing foreclosure or, you know, whatever that situation might be to kind of give some more context, um, to the person so we're testing all these different things inside these accounts uh to try to figure out what works for every single client um because really that's that's what we've seen the best way to do it is we look at those yeah. metrics and then we make decisions based off of that uh because it it's going to change per person per area because everything's based off of engagement um and right. area they could get different engagement than another using the same message so and that would then hurt those ads in the area that's not getting the engagement so
1: that's what i was gonna that's what i was gonna ask is well one like the story based copy for the win like nine times out of ten and like most scenarios most platforms like you know i've seen the story based copy one it's just it's easier to write because you're not having to make stuff up from scratch it's more relatable but it just it always converts better and story doesn't have to mean long story doesn't mean oh long form copy it's this big old story you can tell a story in one sentence you know or three sentences but Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. But engagement, um, how important is engagement for you guys right now in terms of either profitability on the ads? um, Yeah. I guess just for profitability.
0: Yeah. Engagement matters. It's part of the quality score that Facebook uses to determine an ad's relevance. So um, Facebook keeps a pretty tight lid on exactly what that recipe looks like of how important. um, At one point I had, I got access to this internal spreadsheet from Facebook that had like a waiting system of, um, you know, uh, abuse complaints, uh, comments, et cetera, but it's old enough now. I don't, I think it's probably no longer relevant, but, Hmm. uh, so the quick answer is, uh, engagement matters because if Facebook feels like the ad is engaging, they're going to show it to more people. I, you know, I think it's important to take a step back and think about what is Facebook's overall goal? their overall goal is to keep p- us users on the platform as long as possible so that they can show more ads mm-hmm. to us so that they right. can they can charge advertisers for showing those ads right so yeah. if facebook thinks an ad is going to help with that then they're going to they're going to continue to show that 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 is in combination with facebook's algorithm looking at who's most likely to take the action that you want so we strongly strongly recommend that anyone running facebook ads is paying attention to the engagement on their ad Mm. and that's important for a couple reasons one is if you if someone comments and then you engage with them it continues to feed that uh also just from a from a like social psychology perspective if the ad has engagement on it and they can see you engaging that's going to encourage more engagement and it's going to create some social proof as well. Uh, And then the last, you know, the the other one would be, there's a good chance you'll get someone that comments something on there that is like, uh, uh, you could say it skews negative. So it's something like, Oh, yeah, yeah, right, I'll sell you my house, and you'll give me pennies on the dollar, or I bet this is a scam or something like that. And the opportunity there is twofold. One is to feed that engagement up that 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 side of the algorithm on engagement by responding to that person. Uh, But the second part of that is you get an opportunity to answer that person's question and explain and other people Mm. are going to see that. So we look at comments like that as an opportunity, it's an opportunity for you to jump in there and say, Hey, you know, totally understand what you're saying. Um, What we offer isn't isn't best for everyone. But for some people, it's a great whatever you're going to say, you know, whatever you're your pitches there. And, and the only time I'd ever hide a comment is if it was just like totally spam or like really belligerent or something, you know, other than that, take that opportunity to engage, have that conversation. Facebook has become much different than it was originally, but it's still a social platform, right? It's, it's intended to connect people again, because they want us to stay on there as long as possible.
1: Yeah. You know, I've experienced that just within the last year in my own personal social media, I've been, I, I've been on social media less in the last one to two years than I have in the past 10 years because I've been building a house, which we just finished, thank God, yeah, um, literally, but uh, we're finally done with that. And anyways, what I was getting at is like, before I used to, you know, post pictures of my coffee or a concert we went to, or just like whatever, you know, lame social media garbage. And then it became less and less, but the posts I was putting out were real and authentic about our house journey and they were, were story-based and they were simpler. And so it was really interesting to see like what gets engagement on a post, like what gets two likes versus 50 likes, and then firsthand being able to log in a few times a day and see how those first few comments, and this is, I bring it up because it's applicable for the ads, just like you're talking about, those first few comments will just compound and compound and compound. And before you know it, it's like boom you know that post is shown to everybody and then you're running people like oh i saw you saw the thing on facebook and they didn't even respond and it's just the the reach of it is just exponential you know just based on that engagement because it was something that people could relate to and so i, I see that as a huge opportunity for ads in general but especially for real estate ads like there could be a lot of really boring real estate ads and it's like oh my <laughs> gosh there's so much opportunity to make this exciting and about your your company and your values what you're doing in your community and you know i think there's a lot of opportunity there
2: yeah there's a you know i think gary v came out with this i want to say like six months ago he he released this where he was like his entire ad strategy was changing to first start organic and see what gets the best Mm -hmm. like proof that it would work and then take that style of ad and run it as a paid ad um and you know, something that we consult our clients with is is similar in the sense that we're trying to get very transparent and honest content. So things like face-to-face videos, talking about situations in which they're helping sellers, you don't have to have the seller with you. You you can. I think that's great when you do. But instead of just getting like a review from the seller that says, yeah, it was great. You know, they bought my house for cash. That's good, but you can go even better and you can talk about the situation and give Give those details that are a little bit more intimate, transparent, and honest. And oftentimes that's going to attract an even more motivated person because they connect with those things. You know, when yeah. you talk about someone struggling through foreclosure and that you were able to stop it, you know, two weeks before they lost their house, had all this damage done to their credit, all of these, you know, negatives. And you're like, but they put cash in their pocket. They were able. We were able to to arrange it so that they could leave on their timeline. And, you know, now they're off in a better place. All of a sudden, like, that's going to appeal way more to somebody. So, I, I you know, that's a, a big thing where video is really starting to come back um, as content. You know, it kind of switched a couple of years, like probably about a year or two back, it switched to images again because they changed the some of the uh, rules around how much headlines you could have on images. So, everyone went back to advertising images, but now we're back to videos and uh, those type of stories are just mixing really well with videos. So um mm. that would definitely be something that we would suggest to all of our clients and anyone who's doing their own Facebook ads.
1: Well, and it's a good point to, you know, I think a lot of people could benefit from just spending the extra few minutes in most cases to, you know, test out kind of like the Gary Vee strategy you mentioned, but test out like you guys like this video or this video, this post or this, you know. I'll do the same thing with like titles for a piece of content, a blog post or video. Just in an Instagram story, or like if our carrot internal team is about to take a bunch of time to invest in creating a thing, it's like, we don't know exactly which idea is the best idea. I know which one I'm the most in love with, but let's ask the audience, do a quick Instagram poll, or even just like show in a couple of ad variations to a couple of families and family members or friends. Like, Hey, which one of these is more interesting that, you know, could save you so much money and time and energy. Just that little bit up front.
2: Yeah. And, and changing your, the way that you run your ads too. I mean, one thing that we do is we use dynamic creative um, mm-hmm. and that helps a lot in how we're actually running and operating these ads and figure out what's working best because we're not having to do so much split test, which can yeah. test great because it gives you a, a definitive answer, but oftentimes it could spend more money in trying to find the answer than it is worth it because then you have to test again and again and again. Whereas when you're running dynamic creative tests, the, automatically that basically your budget is shifting towards what's actually getting the engagement. And so we can keep adding to that test over and over and over again, proving the results and getting the best options that can be in that ad. So mm. that's another thing I think a lot of people kind of forget about is, how, is using dynamic creative.
1: So, so speaking of creative, I think that's a good segue into chat GPT, different ad variations. Are you guys are people paying you guys right now to just sit behind the scenes and use chat, BT, chat GPT? <laughs> Hey, make me a Facebook ad. This <laughs> is this it
0: coming whole, for our jobs. <laughs> everything I've said on this podcast was written by Chat GPT. <laughs> We are all I, chat GPT. <laughs> I'm just typing it in as you guys say it. I'm like, okay. Um You know it's interesting, man? Like uh Chat GPT I mean AI is powerful and it's gonna it's gonna change things for sure. Um I I don't know to what level or how good it will get. I mean, as of right now, I think the best way that someone listening to this podcast could leverage ChatGPT would be to grab some ad copy that you that you've seen that you that you thought was good and go in and and you have to work with ChatGPT, GP, you have to prompt it a little bit, but basically have it write some variations of that. Mm-hmm. And uh and then I would uh and i've used this to do that right i for me one of the best values of chat gpt right now is like my first draft um, of a lot of things because then i can take it and i can kind of iterate it and make sure that my personality is still in there or the personality of the brand and the customer that we're working with um but if you're just like man i need i need some help coming up like i don't even know where to start just you could go to chat gpt and say uh, write an ad for a real estate investor on Facebook that wants to buy a house that is um, in foreclosure. Whatever, yeah, yeah. And just let Chat PT Chat GPT start start going to work for you. Um, I, I think that's probably the best way that someone could use it right now. I think in the future uh, we'll see tools that are built that allow us to, um, and some of this already exists a little bit, but where we can feed it. Uh, content that we've written in the past so that it will Mm -hmm. get better at writing things in in our style Um, which you know that that then makes the output even more powerful
1: yeah your tone your audience really I mean because you have tools like Grammarly that can detect the tone and you you know your goal but really understanding the audience that's kind of what I'm interested to see how that turns out what tools come out because of that I I think a really good example in like of how to use chat and I don't use it a lot, but I am using it as, like, you mentioned, like to spark an idea. If I'm low on creativity, I'm like, okay, just need a starting point. Or if I have an idea or a post or something, and I need a conclusion or a summary, or hey, give me six variations of this idea or rephrase, whatever. But it can, t- ChatGPT can tend to be very, I don't know, granular or black and white, just very, it, it's a computer. So, like, it's it's not as personal. It's, um, I'm struggling to find the word, but, anyways. Have you seen the Ryan Reynolds uh, mint ad? have you seen that yet? Oh my gosh! Actually, a couple of them. He, he... I, I'm not it's, sure which, which oh, one. The, the ChatGPT one. I don't, I don't think I have that one. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic! I would I would pull it up and play it. But y'all go watch that if you're listening or watching this podcast. It's it's Ryan Reynolds uh, uses ChatGPT to write a Mint Mobile ad. Mint Mobile is his budget cell phone company. Yeah, and um. And he says, you know, he prompts it, write it in the voice of Ryan Reynolds, which that works because he's a celebrity, but he yeah. also, he, he's very specific with the prompt. And he says like, use one cuss word, mention this specific sale for this dollar amount and why people should consider X. Like the prompt is very thorough and like, it was just as good, if not better. You could see it on his face. He's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is scary. Good, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, that's, you know, I'm probably, I am under utilizing it. So yeah that's interesting yeah it's interesting man and and
0: it's important to remember that this these things are uh language models so what they're designed to do is to mirror language that they've been taught to provide a response or an answer so what that what they're not necessarily designed to do is to follow a logical decision making process to reach the conclusions that they reach so if you're going to use it to, uh, discover information or to write information. Um, there's, there's definitely a chance that some of that information is not accurate because it's goal and it's going to, it's going to take what, what you've prompted it with, um, into consideration as well. So this is a whole nother, like, uh, a whole nother interesting conversation, but there's, there are people now called prompt engineers, and their mm. their role is to learn how to ask the AI the right questions in the right way to get the right kind
1: of response. Pretty fascinating. I'd imagine <laughs> that would be a very valuable, like high paying uh, skill set or career path. Yeah, it is right now. It's I think so yeah, for There's sure. There's no way it's saturated right now. I wonder if it will end up becoming saturated. Um, anyway, so yeah, go ahead. I just want to say one other thing. So, like I said, I don't know what the future looks like. I think
0: AI will get I, I think we will see AI all over in the marketing world. So there'll be aspects of of mine and JT's jobs that that get taken over by AI, but I think um what will always remain is the need for the human empathy of understanding who you're talking to what their problem is and how you can connect with them and and present your solution to them and and that is i mean at the core the the specifics of marketing change dramatically you know i mean i can imagine the way we feel about ai right now is probably how people felt when tv was invented or the radio um they're just going (laughs) whoa this changes everything and but the principles of good marketing remain which is you got to understand who you're talking to you got to you got to understand their need and you got to speak to it and if you provide value to them then they'll be interested in engaging with you or talking to you
1: yeah you know i, I don't know if you and i have talked about this before i'll mention it real briefly but Um, I'm going to catch a lot of shade for even bringing up Dave Ramsey's name to our audience, you know, of real estate (laughs) investors. But I was listening to it. Actually, wasn't Dave? It was. It was an Entree Leadership podcast on Dave Ramsey's network a while back, and and this guest was on. He was talking about how people have made money over the past century, and and it started out, you know, people who made money, business owners. It was with your your muscles. So like, you know, farmers. it It was sweat. It was you know, working like physical labor. And then the industrial revolution—you have machines. So it's these four M's: you have your muscles, and then whoever had the biggest machines, the biggest factories were making the most money. And then it was—I think it was either mines or money, uh, you know, interchangeable Mm -hmm. for like the the age of the internet. You know, software companies like we're doing right now. um, Whoever can dream it up, and um, so you have the mines. And then he said, "I think that we're hitting this." seemingly hitting like a peak or a high point of technology towards like, what can we not do? It's almost infinite. Like what can we not do with technology to where he sees it as the age of morals. Whoever has the mm. highest moral standard and can serve people well is going to be the most successful. And that was like, oh, probably eight years ago, I heard that podcast and I'm like, I see it becoming more and more relevant and like marketing and AI, like whoever can have the most human element and the, the best morals, can connect with people and serve them well yeah that's just my personal stance but interesting you know yeah it's it's interesting to think about until robots or i mean until ai is so good which we're just about there to where it's you can't tell if it's a human or not which is a weird element you know if they're not physically in front of you
0: yeah yeah that's yeah i mean the the reality is we crave connection as human beings we're you know call us Pack animals. We we crave that connection, and and so I certainly think as we get more and more digitized, uh, I mean there are studies now that show that even though we have tools that connect us better than ever before, like on average we're lonelier and feel more isolated than um, you know generations before us. So I think I think there's there's got there's some truth in there for sure that people crave that connection and. And uh, and there's there's always that opportunity to be a real person that's interested in really connecting with people and really solving problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Well, yeah. I could talk about this. I could talk about chat GPT and this this stuff all day. So we we're, we're about to turn this <laughs> podcast into something way off of <laughs> <laughs> way off of paid ads, but that's okay. Um, so let me ask you one more question, then we'll wrap it up here. So don't worry about it. Time. Um any, you know, any final words as far as like Hey, investors, don't do not do these things with your Facebook ads. Like, here's how to not royally mess up your campaign or waste a bunch of money or mm. anything you feel like that's just really important that people need to hear if they're already running ads or anything top of mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I, got, I got a couple and then I'm sure JT might too, but
0: um, this might sound really, really basic, but it's so critical and, and we see people miss it, which is just make sure that you are investing the time to set things up correctly. So if you don't put your pixel on the website and set up your conversion event correctly, then you'll waste, you'll waste a lot of money on Facebook. You might still get some leads, but it won't be feeding that. It won't be feeding your pixel data. You won't necessarily know where they're coming from. So uh, you got to, you got to make sure you have that, that setup done
1: well, and then Uh, the other thing I would say is let me interrupt you real quick. Sorry, mm -hmm. talking about, you know, (laughs) pixel for your conversion, specifically for the sake of retargeting ads, which arguably Mm -hmm. the most important ads you could be running. Well, yes, but that's only part of it. So, um,
0: when you set up a Facebook ad, you're going to put your pixel on your website, but then you're going to have. Uh, something on your website tell that pixel that the conversion event that you're looking for happened. So mm. like on a carrot website, when someone clicks submit on, um, you know, enter my property address, or whatever they click submit, and then it takes them to that next page, uh, your pixel data should be telling Facebook that that person took action. And the reason that matters is the pixel is looking to see if your ad is getting the action that you want it to have one so they know whether it's relevant to people and two so they know how to continually optimize that to show that to the right people so if your pixel's not configured correctly um you'll see like a little you'll see little errors in facebook that's like hey the pixel's not getting any data for this conversion event um and that that impacts that impacts uh, the algorithm's ability to like build and, and gain like flywheel momentum.
1: Uh, so it's so a that, two two way communication street, and it's still right. something people miss that's a right. lot.
0: Yep, that's right. And then and then like you said, yes, you can retarget that traffic, which is which is super awesome, and you should be doing that. But uh, yeah, you got to have that conversion
1: uh, piece set up correctly. Mm. Okay, I'm glad you and thanks for clarifying there.
2: Well, I, I was just gonna say that, to test um i think i think a lot of people you know we kind of mentioned you have to give it the time and and part of that is just consistently testing um don't ever think that just cuz you know you find something that works that you can just stop because we're talking about a, a platform that changes all the time and changes you know changes as your results are coming in so you start having something you know you never want to just like all of a sudden enter into something slow because you haven't been staying up on your changes so just consistently testing. Um keeping a, a, a beat, you know, keeping a keeping a feel on the beat of the of the market as well, like not just in real estate, but on the Facebook ads side of things. Just understanding what you need to do to to stay on top of it, what the mm-hmm. algorithm's feeding and uh, that'll
1: help you like, be more successful. Like yeah. testing like fancy, like polished, more corporate versus, you know, a messy, dirty DIY ad or like one you threw together in Microsoft Paint or you know, testing audiences or testing long form versus short form copy.
2: Yeah, just I mean, testing. I all mean, of the it.
0: answer is yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we test. I mean, from a visual creative perspective, we test so many different variations. You know, we have text on the images. What color is the text? What size is it? Where is it located? Does the text have a shadow on it? So you can, yeah. The answer is yes. Uh, test. Um, and, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think the other piece I'd add, maybe just as a, a little bit of a repeat is really consider what you want to invest time and money wise, and that will help you decide the best way to approach it. Um, if you are going to put the time into learning how to do it yourself, that's, like JT said, it's totally doable. And there's lots of education out there. In fact, we we have a course that's available in the Carrot Marketplace that basically teaches everything that we know and do on a Facebook ad account. Um <clears throat> it's several hours long. So it takes it takes commitment to to want to do that. Um and then part of what we've realized over time, you know, I've been doing I've been doing Facebook ads forever, but specifically for real estate investors since 2016. And what I realized is a lot of people who want to do DIY, they fit really well into that analogy I gave earlier, which is they want to be ripped, but they're not quite ready to really do everything that they need to do to get ripped. And so um, we, we see people jump into that and then they hit some hurdles, they hit some difficulties and and they kind of bail and they go, ah, Facebook ads don't work or <clears throat> I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. And we're actually really excited about, about this Brady. We, because of that feedback, we, we've been really thinking about how do we make something that people who are not ready for management, either because their budget is a little bit smaller, or maybe their personality is just such that they're like, I, I don't want to hire someone. What, how can we help them get into Facebook ads in a way that they can be more successful long-term? Mm. So we've created a, a dashboard, a software tool where we've taken all of our best performing ads and pre-built campaigns with all of our targeting and everything that we would normally use. And basically people can run Facebook ads with three or four clicks and Hmm. run everything through, through this dashboard. And, uh, it's because part of what, part of what's hard about Facebook marketing is learning how to use ads manager. It's. Facebook Ads Manager. I mean, you get in there; it's a little bit overwhelming. It's a lot. It's, a little it's convoluted. Intimidating. Yeah. yeah. So we've uh, we've we've got a tool now that that takes all of that and puts it into like a super simple dashboard where you're just like you're, yeah. you're clicking and you're toggling things on and off. Um, and to, th- this is the way I think about it. So to come back to my other analogy about about food, hiring a agency is like hiring a personal chef d i y is like doing it all yourself, so you're coming up with the meal plan you're going to the grocery store, you're buying all the groceries you're chopping it all up, you're cooking it you're um and this this uh this this new tool is like a hello fresh or blue apron mm. where someone who knows the prof- the professionals are preparing everything for you they're delivering it to your doorstep, and all you have to do is couple steps and then you're eating
1: yeah it's probably easier than hello fresh though because i've tried blue apron uh, and i'm like oh man this is a lot of ingredients
0: oh yeah but that yeah, is really it's, cool it's, it's not a perfect analogy i mean because really it's like um i mean it would be like if all you had to do with the hello fresh was put it in the microwave you know yeah, um, it's microwave hello <laughs> yeah, fresh that's how, that's how easy it is hello microwave
1: i like that i'm really excited to see this um where can people it, just hit you up through the marketplace you guys will send them a link so as of as of today when we're recording this,
0: uh we are in uh beta and we have a handful of people in already and are accepting just a limited a limited few more uh, if you're interested in that, you can go to go dot com slash beta and uh by the time when when this podcast airs, if we've come out of beta we will uh, redirect that link to get you where you need to
1: go. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, man. Well, I'm really excited to see the HelloFresh microwave version of Facebook ads for real estate. That sounds really cool, man. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming on again. It's always a pleasure catching up with you guys and having you on the show. It's always good conversation. So um, yeah, thanks for sharing with our audience. Thanks, Brady.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Yep. Everybody watching and listening, if you got value out of this, share it with a friend, leave us a review, do all of the things, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone.